Good morning, Aletheia, and welcome to church. I am Isaiah Joshua Fetterman. You can call me whatever you want. There's a few options out there. I'm an intern here at Aletheia, and I have the pleasure to preach for you guys this morning. I'm sorry we can't see each other in person. It's unfortunately uh, the weather in Florida is hectic and crazy, and apparently there's a tropical storm out there. But we are only one week delayed, so it is not very long until we will see each other again. So hold on. Don't give up just yet. We will see each other. But until then, we're going to preach here at home. So we have been going through a series called Go and Tell for what seems like a really long time, but that's okay. It's been awesome. We've loved every single one. And we've been seeing how the early church grows and expands over time in its early stages with a purpose and a plan that we see in Acts 1.8. So let's read that verse right now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In this verse, we see the three Ps. We see that we have power in the Holy Spirit. We see that we have purpose to be witnesses and a plan to go to the ends of the earth, both here where you're at and to the ends of the earth and the nations around the globe. In short, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is our mission as a church, leading people to become growing followers of Jesus and with our vision of doing it locally for the campus and community. More recently, we talked through Acts 16, which expressed inclusive exclusivity of Christianity and that all are welcome, no matter who you are, but we do care and call everyone to come to Christ and receive him. We discussed complementarianism, ooh, women's roles in the church, and we discovered that though there are different roles, no one has any less value than any other member of the body of Christ. And we are all equal in that way, just with different roles. And then last week, we heard from Kevin on Acts 17 about um, apologetics and how we are empowered and able to use apologetics to just talk through and explain logically and scientifically and historically through different aspects of our faith and share that with other people to contextualize what our faith means to the people around us. But before we hop into our sermon today, let's pray. So, God, I thank you for this time that we have together, that we can be uh, gathered in our homes and just be uh, watching together I pray that you would keep us uh, close together even though we are physically far apart. I pray that you would speak through me today and allow us just to learn and grow from your word and how you are teaching us right now. I pray that we would walk away from this and be able to apply what we have learned and see how you are moving and working in each of us. Amen. So, as we saw in Acts 17, Kevin showed us how Paul was in Athens and he was really discussing through a lot of things with them. And ultimately some did receive Jesus, but some of them mocked and kind of spited him for what he did. So he ultimately had to leave Athens. And keep in mind, all throughout Acts, he's constantly been beaten. He's been scorned. He's been jailed. He's been stoned. He constantly is getting attacked and now he's finally at this point where he's going from Athens to Corinth. Now, Corinth 
is 50 miles from Athens. Now you're probably thinking like, that sounds like a lot. Well, let's put it in perspective. So let's say one day we want to go to Blue Springs. And instead of driving there, we walked there. And not only did we walk to Blue Springs, we walked all the way back from Blue Springs up all the way past High Springs, the city just northwest of us from this building. And that is a very, very long walk. It takes 40 minutes to drive there. So you can imagine what it'd be like to walk there. And Paul is doing this from Athens to Corinth in a probably much drier environment um, from Athens to Corinth. And he's heading to Corinth, which is a very immoral place with a lot of bad things happening. They actually have a word uh, in that time called Corinthianize, which is basically being sexually immoral in your actions because Corinth is known for being that way. And he's going from one hard place to arguably another very challenging place to be at. Now, it doesn't expressly say in the text that he was tired, but I would guess from all of these things, and I I would guess you might be able to conjecture this as well, that this man is exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally, and he is ready just to like collapse probably. I would surmise. And this is when we're going to see a beautiful discovery in the church. So, this sermon is entitled, Empowered to Be an Intentional Community. Right? So, Paul's going to discover this as he goes to Corinth. Granted, he probably already knew about it, but we're going to really see it play out in this chapter in Acts 18. So at hearing this, most people are thrilled because we have been stuck in our houses for like three months and all we want to do is be around community. Now, that's me because I'm extroverted and, you know, the idea of being together sounds phenomenal. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll see how it plays out. There are more things we could have talked about in this chapter because it is a beefy chapter. I encourage you to read through it on your own as well. We could have talked about God's promised protection. We could have talked about God's rejuvenation when we get burnt out. Or we even could have talked about how we shouldn't be silent, but we should be bold in sharing the gospel. But today I really want to focus on this idea because I think in light of COVID-19 and everything else that's happening, we see the importance of community that's not just community, but intentional community that we'll see play out in the rest of this chapter. And like I said, Paul is coming tired to Corinthians, I would believe, uh, Corinth. And we see one of the things that helps him in these first five verses. So first in verses one through four, we see this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Then in verse 5, we see not only does he have Priscilla and Aquila, but he's visited by someone else. Let's read it. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. In this time of being down and hurt, Paul has a wonderful help sent from the Lord, and that is his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So, 
now that we kind of see this beginning, we're going to break down Acts 18 and we're going to really talk through community and what does it mean to be intentional community. First, we're going to try to understand the facts. What is community and why is it important? So this is really just the understanding and what we call the head here at Aletheia. Then we're going to move to the heart and kind of our motivation for community. What is it? And even when it's hard, why would we choose to be in community? And then lastly, okay, we understand why it's important, but now we get to the hands of what does it look like to actually act it out? What does it look like to practically be intentional in community? And we'll get to all three of those parts as we go. So let's batten down the hatches and keep on going. So first, we want to answer what is community and why is it important? We see great community all throughout the Bible of how people are helped by others. Moses has Aaron. Elijah has Elisha. Kings constantly have advisors and helpers who help them do things that they are not skilled in and they definitely need help. And the best example of all, Jesus has 12 disciples who are constantly around him, who he is being with and they are being with him. And then here in Acts, we constantly see Paul has his faithful friends around him, several of whom are listed in this chapter. So the first thing I want to emphasize is that we need each other. And we really want to jump into why is this important? And I have a wonderful bulleted list for you of five points from Scripture. Now, there is a lot more than just five reasons in the Bible, but these are five that I think stood out to me and I hope will stand out to you as we talk through them. So, why is community important? Number one, there's strength in community. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Guys, it is so, so amazing how much stronger we are together. Um, I love verse 11 when it says, if two lie together, they keep warm. Because this reminds me of an iconic moment in one of my favorite movies and arguably other people's favorite movies. Uh, in episode five of Star Wars, Luke Skywalker goes out and Hoth into the very cold environment and ultimately gets lost and trapped. And Han comes to save him and end up, they end up having to weather the storm together. They cut open a tauntaun and lie together to stay warm before they are found the next morning. If Han didn't go and save him, Luke would have died. But in community and someone who cared enough about him to go into the storm, Luke was able to survive and ultimately save everyone. Uh, spoilers, sorry guys. If you haven't seen it, uh, you should go watch it. It's a great movie and series. So, number one, there's strength in community. Number two, there is help and accountability. In Galatians 6, uh, verse 1 and 2, I encourage you to read uh, more of that. But in verse 2, it really emphasizes that we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sin is hard. When you're tempted, when you're convicted, when you're struggling through your actions, it is very hard to do it alone 
we constantly deceive ourselves and, and mess up and fall over and it's rough. I know because I've been through it a lot and I'm still going through it regularly, which praise God for the people around me. We can help each other and know that we don't have to bear our struggles and our sins alone and we can work with them, work through them in community. Number three is that in community, we have an opportunity to witness. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, community allows us to be a witness. In our love for one another, there is something greater than our love for anyone else or anyone else's love for anyone because we have a foundation in Jesus who literally laid his life down and told us to follow his example, that we would humble ourselves and serve each other, not just one way, but both ways towards each other. And this is such a beautiful example to all of those around us as we literally give our lives to each other in serving and caring for one another. That is a beautiful witness to those around us. And this is another reason community is important. Number four is that there's encouragement in community. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are supposed to challenge each other and encourage each other to do good works, to be better, not for the sake of just being better, but as the example that Christ has set before us, we also are to follow that. And we encourage each other in that. As we get better at that, we encourage, we uplift and we say, good job, you're doing awesome. Let's continue to see that happen. And when we do bad at that, we, we challenge each other and we lovingly say, dude, we've all fallen and that's what Jesus is for. He's there to help us up and allow us to walk forward, growing through our struggles and having the encouragement of loving brothers and sisters who tell us the truth and exhort us, but also lovingly encourage us and walk with us through that, knowing that we can encourage each other to stir each other up to love and good works. And the last point of why community is important, which by the way, there's plenty more. These are just the five that I picked is that there's support in community. In 1 Corinthians 12, we see this beautiful analogy of the church being the body of Christ. And we have to realize that there are different roles, that as we have a body, every part is necessary. If I didn't have eyes, you better believe I'd be bumping into a lot of things. If I didn't have ears, I wouldn't be able to communicate well with people because I couldn't hear them. I couldn't speak to them if I didn't have a mouth. And each part has a different role to play where they can't just take someone else's role or be replaced. But we all work together. We all care for each other because we need each other. And this is the beautiful analogy Christ gives to us is that we support one another as a body of Christ. So, with those five reasons of why community is important, that we have strength in community, we have accountability in community, 
We're able to witness better in community. We're able to encourage and be encouraged in community. We're able to support and be supported in community. So if there's one thing, you heard me, one thing you take away from this sermon, go find a community. You need to be with other people and other believers who are doing these things, who you can be doing these things with. So please, if you take anything away, go find a local body of believers or church where you're at so that you can do these things and be a part of something that's gonna help you grow and be loved and cared for and allow you to love and care for others. Life was not meant to be lived alone. So please go find a community. So if you didn't figure out already, you should find a community and you should not be alone. And so now we're gonna move from this idea of what is community and why is it important to um, the heart where we really talk about the motivation for it. To many, this is exciting. Like me, I'm extroverted. I love being around people. I don't care what's happening. I just love being around people. It's awesome. But that's not always the case. There's a very uh, famous quote uh, that I heard many, many uh, sermons ago, a long time ago. It's not from Daniel uh, when he said it. I don't remember who it's from. But it was to be fully loved in spite of being fully known. This is a very beautiful but very hard statement. We all want to be loved, but the reality is it's very scary when we open up because in, in light of being fully known, they know everything and there's the opportunity that we might be rejected. And this is the struggle for a lot of people. There are a lot of people with a troubled past and hurts and challenges in their life. There's shame and sin struggles that people are afraid to share out of fear of rejection. And there's just fear all around of being known and being in community because of the scrutiny and, and rejection it might bring. And some of you have been hurt in the past. You come from troubled churches, many of which have been divided. You see scandals in the church, constantly in the news of terrible things happening and might be wary of what good could possibly come from the modern day church. I know that we have many members here who have been through so much with past experiences and so many hurts and I ache for them because it is true, it happens and there's no denying that. And the reality is I can't wipe that away. I can't just tell you it's gonna be perfect and pretty and all happy. In fact, I can say that I might fail you. Kevin, Theo, Daniel, all of our leaders, they have the potential to fail you because they are human. They might say something that hurts your feelings. They might rub you the wrong way and they will not be perfect. But there is one who is perfect. His name is Jesus and he is the reason we are here. He is the reason we can all get along and work through our differences and glorify him together. He died on the cross so that you might be free. You are free through Christ to be open about your past. You are free to let others walk with you through the struggles of sin. You are free to be ashamed no more, but instead loved by the people around you you are free to forgive those who have wronged you. You are free to love those who don't always get along with you and agree with you. You are free. 
to be a part of a group of people that recognizes we cannot do this alone. This is the motivation for community. Jesus. Very simply put, what he has done for us in the truth of the gospel, that we are separated and now are in community with God, that he has given us a heart and an example of someone that would lay down his life for not just anyone, but all that would come to know him. And he has set that example for us so that we too can do that and be freed from anything that would hold us back. The reality is you can't do this in your own strength. You can try so, so hard and you can do a great job, but ultimately you will fail. And this is why Acts 1.8 is such a beautiful verse for us because in this mission of the church to reach all peoples and go through those struggles and those clashes that are gonna come up naturally, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit within you that you can live these truths out. And Jesus promises us rest in him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. If you are heavy laden with fear, shame, distrust, or whatever it may be, Jesus is the answer. And he has given us a community to walk with us through those trials and to point us back to him. So that's why. It is so hard sometimes, guys, but we must fight to be in community. Then now as we have talked about that motivation, we want to move to the hands and, and maybe look at this more practically because you could go and be like, let's do community and have no idea how to do it intentionally. So we want to talk about what does it look like to be intentional in community <clears throat> and how can we do that practically? So earlier we read Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, where it challenged us to stir up one another to love and good works. And I'm just going to lay it out for you real simple, guys. Here at Aletheia, we use uh, something called the four E's. It's part of our DNA as a church of how we help people become growing followers of Jesus. These four E's are engage, encourage, equip, and empower. <clears throat> and we're going to go through each one of these and how we see it play out in Acts 18 and how we also can be intentional in community. First, let's talk about what it means to engage. This means going and being with people, both believers and non-believers. It's simple, just spend time together. Here in Acts 18, we see how Priscilla and Aquila are able to be present with Paul and even how we see engagement go beyond that with Paul at the synagogue. So let's read Acts 18 verses five through 11. When Silas and Timothy arrived, from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. For now on, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. 
Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So there's two ways we see engagement. We see it with believers and non-believers. Engagement is a huge part of what evangelism looks like. This thing we talk about so much and we have mentioned several times is rooted in engagement. You cannot share the gospel with people if you don't spend time with the people. How can we do this? What are common ways we see engagement happening? Sunday morning. Every Sunday when we're together, that's a time when we can engage with people, when we engage in worship together, when we engage in listening and teaching together and in community after church as we eat together and talk through life and ask hard and challenging questions. Uh, fun events that we do like chili cook-off is a great way where we can just engage with people and connect people. Uh, I do something regularly called Survivor Nights where we watch through Survivor and we just engage with each other. And yes, it can be lighthearted at times, but there's also intentionality to maybe go deeper and to talk through life and really get to know each other beyond just watching something. And there's constantly opportunities to spend time with people. And this is what it means to engage, to not just sit at home all the time, but to in be intentional and make time with others where we can do more than just sit around and do nothing. So that is engage. Now we talk about encourage, the second E. What does it mean to encourage? This is to give support, confidence, or hope. Here in Acts, we see that Priscilla and Aquila uh, help Paul and they encourage him by letting them live in his house as fellow believers who are there and present with him. Timothy and Silas do this as they come from Macedonia, bringing support to Paul, allowing him to be more intentional in ministry and to be there encouraging him and being with him. And then if you need an example, guys, Paul is a great encourager. Literally, he starts almost every letter he writes with encouragement. If there's one great example and reason is follow Paul's example because he's a great, he does a great job of it. So let's look at this in Acts 18. In verses, or not Acts 18. Let's look at this in Romans as we see the effect uh, that Priscilla and Aquila had on Paul in their encouragement and help for him through this time. So in Romans 16, 3 and 4, it says this. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. This is huge. Paul is, in, is writing this letter and he is starting to list all these people who have made such a huge contribution to his life and helped him and encouraged him. And at the first one in the list, we have Priscilla and Aquila as some of the most influential people to encourage and help Paul and stand by him in some of his toughest times. And he mentions them first. Guys, this is huge because these are ordinary lay people. These aren't necessarily pastors or uh, really big motivational speakers. They're just ordinary people like you and me. And we have an opportunity to be a light and a life to those around us, both those alongside of us and our leaders. 
And notice how he even attributes their worth to all the Gentiles. As Paul does his work, he recognizes that he wouldn't have been able to do it as effectively and well and as outward as he did without the encouragement and help of Priscilla and Aquila. So, how can we learn to help others in their needs? Here we see that Paul needed housing. He needed somewhere to stay. And Priscilla and Aquila stepped into that need and allowed him to stay with them. How can you support others? How can you encourage confidence in others when maybe they're new in the faith? Maybe they're trying to be better at something, but they're not great at it. And and they need encouragement because they have such potential to be great at it. How can you give hope to people when they are hopeless? This doesn't just extend to people on our level that are living regular life, but your leaders need encouragement too. They may be up there, they may be smiling, they may be uh, excited about all that God is doing, but I guarantee you they need encouragement as well. Your pastors, your ministry leaders, they need that encouragement. They love to hear the stories of how God is moving and working in your life because it brings them so much joy to see that God is using you for his kingdom. And this is hard sometimes because sometimes there's pain, there's hurt in someone's life and the best we can do is just be there to love and support them and encourage them. And as I had a friend who lost his mom a while back, I didn't necessarily know how to support him or encourage him, but it was beautiful to hear how others came around him. And I learned so much from that experience of what it meant to just be present, to listen and to not necessarily talk. I talk all the time and for me learning, sometimes it's best just to listen. And that can be just as much as of an encouragement as talking to someone. You don't have to have all the answers to encourage. You can just be present and intentionally be there with someone. We now move into the third E, equip. Here we see how Paul is able to equip Priscilla and Aquila. In Acts 18, it starts in verse 18 through verse 21. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. At Sencrea, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow and they came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Guys, one of the best ways that we can be equipped is just to live life on life, to spend time together. As you are around wiser, older people or more experienced people, you can learn so much from them by just spending life with them. You don't always have to have super set times about everything, but just live with them and see how they handle the day-to-day life. It's huge. And that's what Priscilla and Aquila get to do with Paul. Through teaching and preaching, we also can be equipped uh, through different ways that people are sharing truth with us and and training us through this equipping. This happens on Sundays uh, through sermons. This happened uh, with around the tables as we ate together and we just talked through some really tough and hard topics and some fun topics about ways we can grow in our faith in both our understanding and our actions. 
We practice having conversations with people who don't know Jesus, just sharing the truth of the gospel with them, of what Jesus has done, as well as inviting them to church. And Kevin and Ruthann and myself and other ministries do a great job of this and taking people out with them and knowing that you too can go with these people and be equipped in sharing your faith. Praying with people is another great way to be equipped. Prayer is sometimes one of the scariest things because you have no idea what to say. And I'm telling you right now, if you just pray with other people, it is so exciting and encouraging and you can learn so much from them on how to pray. Serving on Sunday is an excellent way to be equipped. If you want to learn how to raise kids, if you want to learn how to better greet people and be intentional in engaging people, uh, join the greeting team. If you want to do media and learn how to use technology, I will gladly show you because we would love that any day. And know that you can be equipped in how to do different things to serve this community and be a part of it and to be served as well. One of the best examples I have seen in my life of equipping is something called Hungry Week. Now, recently we lost someone who's done so much work in this world, and his name is Ravi Zacharias. And he's part of an organization called Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And they come once a year to UF where they allow us to all come together from all these different groups, all these different churches, all these different campus organizations. And together we reach out to the campus. And it is such a beautiful moment where they live life on life with us. They have breakfast together and pray together. They share the stories of what God is doing. They have conversations with people. And when they go meet someone who doesn't know Jesus and have a conversation, they always ask, who's a student that can go with me and they can learn and listen and just be a part of that and seeing this equipping happening so that one day they won't come back, not because they don't want to, but so that we can be, as we're going to learn in a second, empowered to take what we've been equipped with and use it to reach out to our campus which leads us into this final thing, the fourth E, empower. As we saw just the beauty of what they can plan to do with Hungry, we also get this uh, opportunity and we see it here in Acts. Um, But first, what does it mean to be empowered? Taking what you've learned and what you've been equipped with and using it and doing it. Just very simply, you take that third E of what you've been equipped with and you just do it. And we get to see this so, so beautifully. This is exciting, guys. So, so beautifully in Acts 18. In verse 24 through 28, let's read it together. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus." Guys, this is such a beautiful moment when we see that everything Paul taught them of how he was 
uh, preaching the word about how he was going to the public areas and just sharing the gospel, how he was being hospitable and showing all these things to Priscilla and Aquila. Now, after he's gone and they're still in Ephesus, they have this beautiful opportunity where what they've been equipped with, they're now empowered to do. They see Apollos and they're like, whoa, this guy is really close. Like, we just need to share the last part with him. Like, let's talk to this guy. And they engage him and they talk to him. And once they engage him, they encourage him with the truth of the gospel. And then he's now equipped to be able to go out and take what he's learned from them and empowered to now share it with others where he can boldly and powerfully share that truth of the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. What a beautiful example. And we see three layers here from Paul uh, going to engage, equip, sorry, engage, encourage, equip, and empower Um, Priscilla and Aquila, and they can do the same thing for Apollos. And now Paul is able, or Apollos is able to do it for others. Uh, This is beautifully laid out in 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me, one, in the presence of many witnesses, two, entrust to faithful men, three, who will be able to teach others also, four. That we see four layers of this uh, opportunity. And it's such a wonderful thing because it allows us to not just end at us, but to pass on what we have learned. It doesn't end at Kevin as a pastor, but he preaches to all of us. He he intentionally pours into several of us that we can pour into others, that we can pour into others, that they can pour into others, and that those can pour into even more. And it's a never-ending process that we love to call discipleship and that we are empowered to go and be the church in this way. This is for everyone who are Priscilla and Aquila. They are lay people. They are working. They're doing a regular job. And they probably had kids. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised. They're married. So, you know, it's probably happened. Um, And they are able to still be faithful. That they are hospitable. You too can be hospitable. They are able to talk to others about Jesus you too can talk to others about Jesus. They are able to give their time, their talents, and their treasures for the church and for uh, glorifying God. You also can do this and give your time, talents, and treasures. One of the beautiful examples I've seen of this in my life is uh, in my second year of college at the end, I got to get connected with a man named Craig Olive. Now, I was, you know, I was a cool kid. Not really. I was kind of awkward, but it's fine. Uh, as I was in college, and you know, I was just kind of going through life, and this man saw me and saw potential in me that others may not have seen, and I didn't even know I had in myself. And he decided to be intentional to engage me, and then he encouraged me knowing that I had the opportunity to be greater and follow Jesus uh, in just more maturity and growth. And then he equipped me by walking alongside me. And my goodness, I learned crazy things of how to pray with that man. Uh, as we started praying every morning and just being with him, I learned so much. We, we went through a couple books together and 
one of the greatest things I took away from being with Craig is that I saw such a beautiful heart for the nations that this isn't just for the United States. This is for every nation in the world and every person needs to hear the gospel. And Craig loves the nations. And he was able to share that desire with me and open my eyes and equip me and empower me to love and serve the nations in a way that I wasn't able to before. I've seen amazing people be able to equip me and empower me in other ways. David Wood has such a heart for service in my life that he's been able to allow me and show me what it means to serve others. And as I'm here standing before you on this stage, preaching to you is just an evidence that people saw potential and listened to me and allowed me to come up here and preach to you guys so that I could be engaged, encouraged, equipped, and empowered to be here in front of you using a gift that others recognized in me and fostered in me through their intentional community that they've placed me in. And this is our desire here at Aletheia we seek to help people grow in Christ and use their gifts. As you can see, I'm a testament of that. I was a punk seven years ago, and I hope I'm less of a punk now, which I hope you see that. And trust me, if you met me seven years ago, you would see a lot of improvement. And if you guys want to be a part of this, I know COVID times are making things crazy, but it won't last forever. And there is unique ways to be in community in this time. A great way to engage is as we start to get back to Sunday services, find out ways to serve on Sunday mornings. Talk to your GC leaders and see what are ways you can help out to be in community and be more intentional in those gospel communities where we're really trying to help people grow and be trained so that you might lead a gospel community one day uh, here or maybe beyond Aletheia. And we want to be with you and encourage you along this whole journey as you are trying to grow in Christ. You are not alone. We want to walk with you through this. So if you're listening today and you do not know Jesus and you're not a believer, Daniel spoke a couple weeks ago about how all are welcome here at the church. And we would love to have any and all of you come here and be a part of what we're doing. And our hope is that you could come to know and receive Jesus for what he's done for you. We have been separated from God because of our sin, our shortcomings and failures in life and how we're not perfect so that we're disconnected from him and he longs to be connected with us. He longs to have community with us. And so he didn't want to leave us separated from him, but he offered us an opportunity through Jesus who he sent to die for us and lay down his life to show the best example of love and ultimately a community for us that we could ever see. And in Jesus, we have a freedom to be reconnected and have community with God, who is arguably the most intentional person we could ever know. He loves you and he wants you. He cares deeply about you. And not only that, but as his church, we love you too. We may not be perfect, but we want you here. And we would love to walk alongside you through the challenges and stresses and joys and hopes of life. And if you're a believer here today, find community, <laughs> be a part of community and learn to be intentional in community. Don't live life on your own. 
Jesus has provided others around you to be an intentional community and for you to be an intentional community with them. You are not alone. And as we see so beautifully in our favorite verse for this series, Acts 1.8, you are called, you are called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, to share your faith, to share your love with those around you, not just for yourself, but to share it with others. And you are empowered you're not incapable of any of the things I've just said. But as we walk through these past uh, months and almost a year of these uh, topics of different ways we're empowered, you now recognize that you're able to do all these things we've been talking about. And don't just sit around and do nothing, but go and let the community of the church be able to come around you and being intentional and helping you grow in those ways so that we can better engage. And how can we do that? We should ask these last questions. Who around you looks disconnected or lonely? Are you lonely? You should seek others out. That's how we can engage. Then how can you equip? Do you have areas you can grow in? Are there people you can seek out to help you grow? Are you mature or gifted in certain areas? Are there people around you that you feel connected with and that you could invest in? If not, how can you be engaging with people until you find someone like that? How can you empower? First, seek out leaders who challenge you and help you, not just be equipped, but having opportunity to do stuff. Then, as you find people to equip, how can you help them not just to learn, but go practice and teach others? And this is going to take a lot of engagement, a lot of encouragement, and a lot of equipping. But ultimately, the beauty of what God is doing through this process is so, so awesome and wonderful. So guys, as you go out today, don't try to live this life alone. But remember, God has brought a group of people around you so that you could go be the church in an intentional community. Thank you.